the Steve Dangle Podcast with your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Let's go! Well, here we are, not talking about a second round Toronto Maple Leafs playoff berth. What? Not. I, I don't know. Maybe this, I don't want to sound come across as arrogant. I don't feel that worried. I was worried after game one and game two. Now after them coming back and storming, what, to me, uh, I'm not worried. I'm worried about a couple of things, but not about the overall team. But we'll get to that in a sec. Oh, Mitch Marner, that baby. I am worried about Mitch Marner. Hockey. Yo, I, well, first off, I don't think that that's the case. But we go through yesterday's game. We go through this series. Mitch Marner hasn't scored a goal in the playoffs since he signed his extension. Last time he scored was game one versus Boston 2019. He had two goals. He had a two-goal game. And then since then, he hasn't scored a goal in the playoffs. We know that that's not necessarily what Mitch Marner does. However, like, you know, he does score goals, but not that many. Um, You know, and he's got four assists this series. But I think, ah, I mean, I'm sure there's some advanced stats to prove me wrong. But I am a little concerned. That line has not been producing. We kind of need... The we kind of need the fifty goal guy to get to get more goals, do we not? What's so funny? We, we do. Sorry, I'm just there's a there's a great tweet relating to this conversation. It's from two six five kilometers. My boy Dan. It's the Leafs top line outscores opponent three nothing at even strength over five games. Leafs fans mad, and it's just Stephen A. Smith going. I think we should consider having them arrested. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love to know the contest. <laughs> oh. Oh my God! When did Stephen A. Smith ever call for someone's arrest? I, I, I think everyone's missing the mark on what's wrong here. All right, tell us. <laughs> Rasmus Sandin blew it twice. Yeah, he did. That was a rough fucking game. He Holy should probably shit. he shouldn't see the ice again in this series. Play, uh, play the stay-at-home Travis Dermott. That'll yep, be who's all of a sudden a stay-at-home? Holy defenseman. shit! Mail this clip to the past. Yeah, really. <laughs> Mail this clip to about a year ago. Jesus Lord. Um, and we'd be like, oh, good. Hockey's back roughly a year ago, but he, he blew it twice. Campbell makes a huge save right before the second goal. The Habs beat the Leafs with the same strategy. They've been trying all friggin' series, mm-hmm. but they cracked that pairing like an egg. Uh, they really did. I didn't see if Sandine was out there for the, overtime goal no no it was it was, it was Bogosian, Bogosian, Bogosian pinch which allowed for the play in the corner by Gelch and then Muzzin was the one chasing the play right and like I don't blame Bogosian for the pinch he, he was able to do that because Galchenyuk was back mm. it's just it was a terrible decision from Galchenyuk so I look at this a lot like I look at game uh one where I'm like okay yeah, they lost. Yeah, they were only able to generate the one goal in game one. This one, they erased a three-goal deficit. But I go, this was the Leafs handing the Montreal Canadiens victory. Montreal did take it. They did take it. I mean, they they had a game plan. They stuck to it all night. It was really effective. But in their best game of the series, this was Montreal's best game of the series, they surrendered a three-goal lead. The Leafs are going to win. If they if they let themselves, the conversation <laughs> of Mitch Marner not looking comfortable on the ice and holding onto the puck too long isn't a wrong conversation. Like no, those, those are things that are that pass the eye test and are happening right now. Yep, absolutely. 
So does he deserve some criticism? He does. But like, we're not, I just feel like whenever Mitch Marner puts money in the bank and he's got a lot now, but when he, whenever he puts money in the goodwill bank, um, it evaporates and it's good. Like he, he gets no equity there. The, the Zach Hyman tip, uh, the, the goal, it, he barely touched the thing. Th- that goal was all Mitch Marner. If it counts as Mitch Marner's goal, which it was a centimeter away from being Mitch Marner's goal, are we still having the same conversation? I think Mitch the Marner's conversation... been a key part of the penalty kill. He's been key defensively. I just don't see him as the problem. I, I don't. I don't think. I mean, I don't think the argument is that maybe he's the problem. I think uh, stupid giveaways like Galch throwing the puck to no oh. one in overtime blindly—that's a problem. Yeah. When Mitch Marner, oh. with Mitch Marner's situation, I see it more as a, hey, you were dominant all season. Where you been? And there were people I, who tweeted me who were yep. saying, um, well, you know, it's a small sample size. That's what the playoffs are. Yeah. For a small <laughs> sample size. You can't do that when it's, okay, this game means everything. Yes. Like, that's your, the sample, sample your sample size, size is smaller. Size the 60 minutes. Like, that's it. The sample size is smaller the worse you are <sighs> in the playoffs. What like, I would say is... Oh. You don't that get to be me. not dominant. Right. I okay. You don't get to be not dominant with that. Am I that wrong? Range. Am I wrong in saying I actually think Matthews has been a bit of a bigger problem five on five on that line? I think you are wrong. I think you're wrong. Your <laughs> face is wrong. You were built wrong, and I don't like your brain. No, I'm kidding. What do you? What do you? What do you mean? Offensively, anyway. Mm-hmm. Defensively, yeah. I think that line's been pretty yeah, they've been good. Yeah, very seldomly. Given up a key faceoff, very seldomly getting hemmed in their own zone, very seldomly. Matthews is dominating to know on, on faceoffs. It's doing, crazy. Yeah. Real well, doing real well. But I last night was Hyman's best game of the series, bar none. Mm-hmm. Bar none. Except for last night was when he took that penalty. That wasn't the best. That wasn't the best, but yeah. it was after he scored the goal. <laughs> sure. And, you, you know, so I mean, I looked at that and I went, ah, oh, Zach, I was so ready to give you the key to the city. But it, Best game in the series, did take a bad penalty, still his best game in the series. He carried the puck a lot. Hyman had the puck a lot. Marner has the puck a lot. Does. Carries it a lot, retrieves it a lot. Matthews, he's he's waiting for the pass. He's looking for the pass. He's trying to find open ice. And to the Habs credit, they're not giving it to him. I want to see him carry. Mm-hmm. You know what I, I knew carry the puck. that Matthews was maybe not struggling, but having difficulty doing what he normally does was in game two after the Leafs were already up. I think it was up by at least two goals at that point or three goals. And he did that little spinorama into the two defensemen. He tried to score that way with on the backhand. I knew he, when he was doing that, you know, okay. And whatever he normally does, isn't working because NHL players aren't doing spinoramas every day in the game. So he needs to try and this. He almost extra, scored. He almost scored on that backhand. It was <laughs> wicked. But he needed yeah. to try this extra thing that's not normally a part of his gameplay because his regular gameplay, because the Habs are suffocating him at the moment, isn't working. That's such mm-hmm. a good that's such a good point, Jesse. That move is really in case of emergency break open glass because the the moment that made that move famous for Matthews was the spinorama uh, backhand pass to Marner mm-hmm. to make it 6-5 in that ridiculous 8-6 Carolina game. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I, I'm mad that they didn't do it in game five. I'm mad that they almost did it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, they'll do it. Like, I, I don't think it's funny seeing the Montreal reaction today because nobody's going, oh, they're definitely coming back. 
They could, <laughs> but I've never, I have not, all the Habs people I follow on Twitter, first off, started the day off imploding yesterday when it was found out that Gustafson would take it, uh, would draw in the oh. lineup and not Romanoff. And I tweeted it at the time and I still believe it. Um, I don't know how Mark Bergevin and Jeff Ducharme look, Habs fans and Habs media in, in, the, in the eye. What's that? Dominic Ducharme. Dominic Ducharme. Who did I say? Jeff. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Ducharme. Oh, that's a cameraman I used to work with at City TV. Oh, <laughs> Jeff Ducharme. He's a great guy. Uh, I don't know how he looks anybody in the eye and says, I did my best. Uh, no, he doesn't. Think, he looks at them through the lens. <laughs> I would say that, like, I don't know how Ducharme and Bergevin don't look, 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 look at Canadians fans and media in the face and goes, yeah, we did our best. If you don't put Romanov out there, you're not. And with no offense to Gustafson, come on. Uh, it's, it, you know, even Arpen Basu is like, before you tweet me, I don't know either. And, if you know, what a up guy to hockey like Twitter, that is saying, right. I don't understand what's going on. There's clearly, there's clearly something weird going on. Jeff Ducharme's not going to, Jeff Ducharme. Dom Ducharme is not going to, um, I don't think he's going to coach this team next year. Yeah, I don't think Jeff. much has changed. Um, and I also think, uh, I think the Leafs gave it to them last night. I think if you give if you give away the puck like that, the way that the Leafs did, Sandine twice, Galch the other time, uh, you're gonna lose. You are going to lose unless you have otherworldly goaltending, which to this point Jack Campbell has been. And yeah. I saw some people this morning going, "Well, I think Jack's got to shake off last night." Yes, but I hope it's not in the context of he didn't play well because he played great. And I think it's you, you see his post game, and he was like, "Well, you know, it wasn't. It's, it's on me." No, Jack, it's not. I, it's not. Can I ask you guys a question about that? What happened? Do you guys watch the post game? Yeah, usually no, I do. What? I haven't had time. Oh, Steve hasn't seen that. I guess I'll ask you, Adam. What was with uh, Rudy and Bieksa criticizing the two on O and Campbell's not cheating towards the side of Suzuki? Um, well, Why was that the analysis from that play and not is, the giveaway Suzuki by the Jochenna? carrier? Was no, it was Caulfield who came up, and then so it's you're gonna have the extra pass, so Campbell can cheat towards Suzuki because you know it's going back that way. And their analysis of a of an OT winner on a bad giveaway was to criticize not cheating towards the the uh, the shooter instead of the defensive laps. Any defenseman or any goalie, like I played the majority of my hockey as a defenseman, all I've ever been taught was um uh focus on the guy uh if you're if you're the one man back focus on covering up the guy who doesn't have the puck like obviously stay in the middle of them but but try to try to cover up the guy that doesn't have the puck because the goalie can swear square up against the guy who does and you can even out the odds a little bit better with regards to him not cheating i don't know what he's supposed to do is he supposed to cheat so that someone can shoot something short side right Uh, i think it's a i think it was one of those ones where i think you got to have something to talk about in the intermission and or after the game. And to me, that seems weak. That's just a weak, it's a weak segment. It's not a great segment. Of the whole play that happened, why do you choose that part of the play to focus on? I don't know. You I, know? I could not tell you. And that's, that's the frustrating part, right? You, what, d- what's that, man? I'll, I'll have to look this well, up. And here's the thing. As broadcasters, we don't have a banger every time we're on the air. So there are times where it's like, man, that was, and you get off the air and you go, that was pretty fucking weak. I don't think I've ever <laughs> walked away. I don't think I've ever walked away from this show thinking I, that, that we didn't do our best or uh, there's definitely things I would have done differently, but I certainly know that like, you know, when I, or especially early on in my radio career, early on when I was doing television, 
you, you go, fuck, that did not go the way I wanted it to. And, or I didn't really say that the way I wanted, wanted to. And I wonder if, um, I wonder if they thought that, or if they even gave it a, you know, a second thought. It can be sometimes your producers are like, Hey, we've queued up some clips, read, read what we're telling you and do it. And you're, and then afterwards you're like, fuck, I shouldn't have done that. I don't know. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes at hockey night. Both of those guys are, are great analysts. Um, just not every, not every single one's going to be a home run. And I think that that's, I think that that, uh, the focus should have been on Galch. Should have been on Galch. Yeah. Oh. You sometimes too, you try to galaxy brand it. Like obviously Galch gave away the puck. We know that's bad. Let's talk about the stuff you didn't think about. Well, sometimes the obvious is the story. The obvious is Galch giveth and Galch taketh away, you know, great game. And he's the reason we kind of lost. <laughs> Well, and, and last last podcast, I was saying like, oh, look at him out there in key defensive situations. He wouldn't have gotten this much rope before, and that I, uh, it's just his brain shut off. His brain shut off for that one moment. And I looked at the replay, and it's why? Why did he do that? Why did he? And as I was looking at it today, I I got more upset because. It wasn't just that that wasn't the play to make. It's that all he's got to do is hook it, hook that pass like 45 degrees. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's on to the stick of a wide open Alex Kerfoot in the high slot. He shoots it. Nylander's in front with no one on him. Ah! Or, you know, pucks ah! in, like, like Ken Reed says, pucks in deep. Yeah. Just get it even deep. If, even if you don't send it out to the middle of the ice, you just keep it in the corner. Leafs, like, Leafs are a yes. really, yeah. They're a really good cycle team, and Nylander, uh, despite the shit that he gets from your uncle, is extremely good along the boards. Um, I logged on to Facebook, and my uncle was praising Nylander. I was wow. Like, not all uncles. No, uncles okay. for Nylander. So here's what I, I am struggling with something, and maybe, maybe you guys I can illuminate me on this one. <laughs> I know Marner plays special teams. I know Matthews plays special teams in an inordinate amount. Marner obviously killing penalties and being on PP1. Matthews not killing penalties, but being on PP1. Nylander, second power play and obviously uh, second line. The difference between how many minutes he played versus those two is five. You know, those guys are up in the 22-23 minute area. Nylander's playing 17. And I have to look at the anemic. I think it was worse. I'm going to look. Okay to look at the anemic Leafs power play and think, how are you not switching out Nylander for Joe Thornton? If you saw Nylander last night, you saw a monster. This guy scares the shit out of anybody he's playing against on the Habs. He is a monster with the puck. It's like it's glued to his stick right now. I have never, ever, ever seen this guy play this well, ever. How is it that we can't, that more ice time cannot be found for William Nylander? Oh, and first and foremost, sorry for interrupting you with uh, being wrong, which is what I was Am I wrong? on this one. <laughs> Nylander was 17 and the other guys were 23, 24. I thought they were up at 27, 28 for some reason. Um, here's, here's what I was trying to figure out. Like, what would I do differently if I was Sheldon Keefe? Well, I would ride the big three. I would ride the top line like an absolute pony, which he did. Okay. So that's, that's what I use Mar- Marner Hyman. Yep. That's what I would have done. That's what he did. Okay. Well, can you get Nylander a few extra shifts? He did. Mm-hmm. He put him out there instead of Hyman with, uh, in, on a f- at least two occasions, maybe three. Um, he got him out there with Matthews and Marner. The problem with giving Nylander more ice time is like those shifts are 
once a period. You're only getting them an extra 45 seconds, right, per period. So now we're looking at an extra minute and a half. Whoa. You know, you got to get more ice for Kerfoot and Galchenyuk. Mm-hmm. And after that overtime, Galchenyuk made that more difficult for Sheldon Keefe to do. Right? So what do you do? What do you do? At least we're in the offensive zone. Like everything about that should have been fine. That should be Alex Galchenyuk's place to shine. Yep. So how do you get Nylander more ice time? It might be that you need to get him line mates you can trust in all situations, but for God's sake, they were losing most of that game. What about power play one? Power play one is the big one. But you know what's funny? You know who has the Leafs' most recent power play goal? Joe Thornton. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just I, I, while I see what you're saying, and it's great, you know, when, with Joe getting uh, uh, the the goal off with Spezza as well, that was great. But I'm not seeing with Joe Thornton what I think I need to see for him to retain that position. He drives nothing. That's he, and that so okay, be- and I know he's Joe Thornton, but he's not Joe Thornton that needs to be on your first power play anymore. Am I right? It's not even the first power play. He's not even Joe Thornton that he showed in the final like two, three weeks of the season. He's not even mean. Mm-hmm. Throwing hits and throwing his body. And- On his power play goal, it was led by his rush from the other end of the ice. He came up on the rush. He passes to Spezza and Spezza fed it back to him on the tip. Yeah. So. There was a play he made, you know, on his own that he that he drove, and I think Muzzin wasn't Muzzin slapper a power play goal as well. It so was he just might, just after, just after. Oh, okay, but yeah, uh, I don't because is is PP two just PP one now? Because PP one seems to be spending less time because it used to be oh just let PP one go until as as long as they get tired they get, they stay out there as long as they're not tired. But now it seems like he's switching it out a little quicker. You know, he's getting that second unit out because it's been a little bit more effective than the struggling PP1. So do you keep Nealander down there and then you just give that second unit a little bit more time? I don't know. Uh, if if the deeper in your series you go, the more you play the big guys, I think you got to load up that first unit and let them go. Let them fly. Uh do we ah. do we tell do we get somebody to call Mitch Marner and tell him to l- release the puck a little quicker or shoot it or just not skate around with it a little bit more? Little He's bit thinking less. way too much, eh? Yeah. He's thinking too much. And like Again, I, I still think on the other side of the puck, he's, he's fine, but he's thinking way too much. And those half seconds that he gets in the regular season aren't there and it's and it's frying his brain offensively. Mm-hmm. Even the Kerfoot goal, or yeah, it was Kerfoot who knows it was Hyman who tapped in Mitch Marner. Hyman, yeah, barely so on the he went, on, he went, on, <laughs> on the Hyman goal. It was it happened because Mitch Marner held on to the puck too long. He should have shot it because the net was open, and he held on to it until he got too deep in the zone. He flicked it out front, and it bounced, took too many ping pong bounces, and it went in the net. So, like, even in an instance where he scores, he's holding onto the puck just a little too long. He's a little too timid. Now, if Mitch were sitting here right now, he'd be like, what the f- What do you mean too long? We scored. <laughs> right. How can you criticize a goal? But uh, I just say, I just think, like, there's just, I don't know if it's mental or just, like, give him a little more freedom to just shoot it a little more, a little quicker. I don't know. I think Something's it's all- not right. 
it all leads to the Leafs need to get back to their game. They got to get back to their game from the first four because the Habs, all they did was a faster version of what they've been doing all along. We're going to dump and chase. We're going to crash here. We're going to try to take time away and we're going to try to force a mistake. Mm -hmm. They forced two out of the youngest defender on the team. And that's the game. That's the game. Ah, Does Sandine (laughs) play again in the series? Oh boy. I don't think so. And and it's you too know, bad because he had such a great game four. Sorry, game three. Game three. It was uh, th- game three. Game three. Yeah. He struggled. Game one was it where he had a not a great game, and then he was out for two, and then four. He was good. I can't can't I really forget. remember. Thornton was was the guy in game one, and game one you really evaluate kind of with a grain of salt. You know, it was it was something to see. They stuck in that game so tight after what happened to Tavares. And then they go out and win three straight, including a back-to-back in Montreal. You know what I mean? So that was the Habs' best game of the series. It was a true win for them. I mean, they have two wins. They're all true wins. But mm-hmm. I think I think you understand what I mean with the flavor there. But I don't know how you put Sandine back in. That's a tough yeah, one for the kid. It's you know what it was, and like, it's good to learn these things. You could say, well, Sheldon Keith didn't need to take him out mm-hmm. for Game Four. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. He didn't need to take him out, but he he wanted to get Dermot back in the series, and it just felt like Sandine was trying a hundred and one things to prove this is why you have me in the damn lineup, and that's not how it works, kid. And like, like he's, he, unfortunately for him provided Sheldon Keefe with some answers. Yeah. Yeah. That one. And you know what? Maybe that serves the Leafs in the long run. If they're able to win game six or game seven and Dermott's in and they got the right guy and they got the right lineup. Like I have nothing against Travis Dermott. I'm a big Rasmus Sandin fan, but you're going to make mistakes and fuck up and there'll be injuries and things like that. He'll draw back in. This goes to be an extended lineup or extended playoff series. There's going to be somebody that's hurt. And so I don't, I, I don't hate that. It's just one of those things. It's a bummer that it cost him a game. Can I tell you something I've noticed in this series? Foot speed with Sandine. There have been a few races where he hasn't looked close to winning. Mm, um, and you think he's a little slow? Or I mean, he's young. Not as quick as the other guys, but I mean, I mean, the Leafs have a real habit of making their own players look slow. They're a really fast team, really fast team. And Dermot, one thing about him is, holy shit, that guy's lightning, mm-hmm. right? There are a lot of games where it's like, you know, he could, he could probably play without a blade and get to roughly the same result. <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm saying, I'm not saying that as a, as a diss. On the guy. I mean, we know his offensive limitations at the NHL level. Defensively, playing the system that they do, especially in the series, I th- I think he looks excellent. He's mm-hmm. a he's an eighty nine on the NHL uh, twenty one ratings. You know, like that's Is where I put him. No, that's where I'd put him in sort of defensive <sighs> skill. Like if you're a defensive defenseman skill. Like I'd put him at like an 80, 85, 87, you know, and then it it drops off and his offensive skill maybe is like down in the 70s and then he levels off at like an 81 overall. So this, 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 my chill ratings. I, I, first of all, I like it. (laughs) Second of all, this gets to something I was saying during the stream. Um, Cause people are like, oh my God, you know, 
how, how is the Leafs offense going to get them out of this? And this is when it was like two, nothing. And you know, it's 10 minutes in and they're coughing up all these chances. And I'm like, I am not worried about the Leafs offense. It'll come. Like they had opportunities on Carey Price all game, including the first period. And he he had to be very sharp and come up big. The Leafs offense will come. It's coming. It's there. Um, they're finding ways to crack the Habs defense. They find ways to get through Carey Price. That'll come. I'm not worried about that. So if you got to sacrifice a little bit of offense to get some defense, uh, I'm all for it. And if that means putting in Travis Dermott for Rasmus Sandin, yeah, because I have yeah. that much confidence in uh in the Leafs ability to score. Well, and now that we've said it, I'm sure Marner and Matthews are going to make me look dumb in the in the next game, which I hope they do. That's awesome. I would be Do really, it. I'm cheering for that. Leave, I want that. Leave no doubt. Win 8-1. Like, Whoa, did you just quote Mike Babcock? I yeah. Well, leave listen. no doubt. That's the title of his damn book. Wow. Is it? I mean, yeah. It is. I tried to download it once, but they didn't have the audiobook version. I'm like, I'm not I had time to sit around and read this. He so. well the worst part about that audiobook is he pauses to drink coconut water right into the mic. <laughs> it's gross. Like he didn't need to do that. You could have taken it out. You could have edited it out. All right. So, you know, okay, wrapping things up. Uh, I mean, good on Montreal to squeak out a win, but boy, the, that bench looked deflated once that third goal went in. I thought the Leafs had them. We'll see what happens in game six. There will be $2,500 or $2,500, 2,500 Montreal Canadiens fans. Although, Jesse, I do know that you have, speaking of $2,500, the Ticketmaster map up. Uh, this will be the first time that any fans have returned to any stadiums in the country since March 15th of 2020. This is pretty incredible. Um, and we've got... What do we got price-wise? Yeah, I pulled up the Ticketmaster here. So all the tickets are sold out. So all of these are resales. So Ticketmaster has their own thing where you can, you can resell the tickets on the platform, mm-hmm. uh, like StubHub or whatever. The cheapest ticket right now, section 306, row AA. So you're way in the top, back of the building. Okay. $1,380 for one ticket. Okay. I have an idea because like supposedly Elliot Freeman on 31 Thoughts was talking about um, the cap might stay flat for five years. Yeah. I have a great idea for how NHL teams can make money. Hmm. Buy your own tickets. <laughs> Buy your own tickets and sell them on StubHub <laughs> under the name Doug Scrub. <laughs> Who's because it's only, it's the, the ticket price is never the price. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, that's it's been that way for a while now. I know it's been that way for a while now, but like, who cares what the team sells them for? Can you can you believe that th- these are going for a thousand dollars each? Yes. What I can't believe is they're not two grand yet. Do you oh, want me to- oh, I gave it half an hour. They are two grand <laughs> on StubHub. Seriously, Jeff Molson, buy it under the name Jeff Ducharme, and friggin' just resell them and double your profits. All right. Do you want to know at the other end? Yeah, the high end? Yeah. I'm gonna guess. End. I'm gonna guess 20 grand Ooh. for like great seats. In Toronto, it would be at least that. Price is right, 21 grand. Oh, you all can. right. The most expensive ticket right now is section 112 row K, seats one and two. One ticket costs twelve thousand four hundred dollars. So two of could... them. Oh the pair of tickets is twenty-four thousand dollars. Okay. That's actually lower than I thought it would be for a single ticket. 
Um, yeah, I you guys thought ticket, the single would be in the 20, 20 grand range? Yeah, I did. In Toronto, it would be 100%, but different city size, right? It's a little bit different. Uh, for that $12,000, by the way, you get to comb Mark Bergevin's hair. It's great. <laughs> Wow, really nice. Yeah. hundred percent. So yeah. and he gets to tell you what is goaltender inf- inter- interference and what isn't. It's great. Uh, it's just you do his hair and you screw it up and it's just him angrily pointing at a screen with a picture of his own head. <laughs> like, Look what you did. Look what you did to my beautiful mane of hair. Now, I, now I know tomorrow morning when I wake up and I look at Twitter for the first time, there's going to be like seven people that have, <laughs> do, it. That have do it. Photoshopped that. Oh, that's great. Okay. So, okay. So then, um, I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. I still feel pretty confident about the Leafs and the way they've played recently. So here's hoping, fingers crossed, we'll see what happens tomorrow night. And if we're still talking about this on Monday, we might be a lot more nervous. I can see them losing six. I can see the fans like, oh, Montreal comes out on fire. There's fans, they're back home. And they somehow steal this game and the Leafs win in seven. The reason I think they're going to win game seven is this. (gasps) Right now, or game seven, game six, game six. The reason I think they're going to win, win, win game six is this, is today, it's a miserable, shitty day in Toronto. It snowed in Steve's neighborhood. It did. It's been 25, 30 degrees for the better part of a month. And all of a sudden today, it's like, now nah, fuck you. I'm going to snow because it's Canada. And what's cool about that is um, it makes everybody mad. Everybody's bitchy. We even notice it in the mornings on the calls. People are a little bit grumpier or they don't respond at all. Every time it's a, um, it's been sunny, 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 gray day, your calls and your texts drop off. People just don't want to talk. They're upset. I get it. I get it. And then you find your friends are a little bit depressed and whatever. It's, it's seasonal. It happens. Now, imagine you're a Toronto Maple Leaf. You got your sweet luxury condo downtown. You probably have a really cute dog. Day like today, all you would have had to do is get on the exercise bike. And if you'd won last night, get on the exercise bike, chill with your girlfriend, walk your dog for like three seconds because you can't even walk him outside that long. It's too cold and wet, and nasty. And then like eat some food and go to bed. But instead, what you got to do is you got to get out of bed. You got to be at a team charter. You got to listen to fucking coaches drone on about what we need to do next game, which by the way, they're so sick of that. Uh, we're going to go over footage and you guys are going to go for 17 morning skates. And do you think that they want to do this? No, they don't want to do that. And I hope that's their punishment for fucking up game five. They should, you, you could, I can guarantee you at this point in the season, like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. I, I wish I could stay home and relax a little bit and get ready for Winnipeg. But instead I got to board another plane to Montreal. And if I have to come back and play another fucking game in Toronto, I'm going to be furious. So we're winning in Montreal in game, in game six. That would be my attitude. And I think that's probably how they feel. The Leafs next game in Toronto better be game one versus Winnipeg. Yes. I swear to God. And like, no, listen, their chance in game seven, should it come, is just as good as any others. It's just as good as any other team. But no fan in this fan base has an appetite for any of that shit. Any of it. Just win six. Just win it. No, shut up. Shut <laughs> up. Shut up. Absolutely not. There is no way. There Steve, is no you've been, way. You've been live streaming every single game on the Sportsnet YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that live stream on Game Seven Monday, man. Is they don't be pay me by the game. They don't pay me by the game. Well, then you got a negotiator. What? Yeah. How are they not, how are they not <laughs> paying you by the game? I was should. I should have done your contract. Are you out of your mind? No. What if it went four? Then, then great. Then they then, win. Then I wouldn't have needed Adam. 
<laughs> it would have been a great deal. <laughs> I wouldn't have needed them. No, listen, they can win it in six. They will win it in six for the love of God. But like, look at Carolina. Like how many people were going off? Oh, here goes Carolina again with this bullshit. Here's, I know Adam was briefly. He's like, I've talked shit about Nashville for three months. And this is how Carolina repays me. That's right. And they did it last night. They did, did it. do it and then got blocked on Twitter by Nashville. Yeah, because Nashville, because <laughs> the, the Canes, man, the Canes Twitter account has been extra and a lot of fun today. I've really enjoyed them. They've been very funny. Very, very funny. But like, listen, the team up 3-1 in the series wins most of the time. Steven, yeah, don't you sometimes. dare. Don't you dare. The team up 3-2 in the series wins most of the time. Sometimes. Sometimes, uh, most of the time. I hate it. Yeah, hate and it. sometimes there's a game seven. And then we get Guys, to watch Steve Let's move on. Let's move on. Because I told you on Wednesday night that we had three potential game sevens on our hands. Mm-hmm. And you were to pick. I don't even remember what your picks were, but you were to pick which team would force a game seven. And the only team that did, and we're going to start here, is the Minnesota Wild, who went And Jesse was right. Jesse was right. Look at that. I... Oh, you know what? I do remember my pick. I said Pittsburgh, and oops. <laughs> oops. So they score all their goals in the third period, and uh, it's really interesting because the stats in the game are pretty even. I'm curious to see because, like, okay, so you're you're the Golden Knights. Obviously, uh, Minnesota is probably a, a tougher handle than you thought they'd even be. Um, but I feel like they've got the edge in the sense that and, – and I – Last year's me would have laughed at this year's me saying this. Mark Andre Fleury's been here before. That I mean, really been here before. So I feel like he's been a lot of places. Been a lot of places. Won some cups. Seen some game sevens. Vegas is a good team, right? They're going to win this, right? You don't think so, Jesse? No. If I'm I I like to bet on games occasionally. If I'm betting on games and I get a goal and a half on the Minnesota Wild, I'm putting that down. I don't think. I think the Knights are a little off. If they're missing Ryan Reeves, if they're missing um, uh, Braden McNabb, if they're missing Max Pacioretty, if all three of those guys are out, I'm putting money on the Minnesota Wild to do it again. Mm. I think I think it's a different team. You're missing three core pieces. Mm-hmm. Now, How are you going to say you're going to show up for Game 7 when three guys who you need are not in the lineup? I know what you guys are asking yourself. How is Steve going to make this about the Leafs? <laughs> Don't do worry. It. He's not. Oh. He's going to find a way to make this about the Oilers. Dude, this friggin' team cannot stop picking the scab. They cannot. They're, so, second round, there's Taylor Hall versus Jordan Eberle there. So, I pointed that out. I go, here's what the Oilers have left from both of those trades. For Eberle, nothing. For Taylor Hall, Adam Larson. Oof. Underratedly terrible deal. Cam Talbot was good for them. So good for them. And the second he stopped being good for them, they're like, all right, we're going to sell as low as possible. And they traded him to the Philadelphia Flyers straight up for Anthony Stallers. Another goalie. And here's the amazing thing. He played eight games for the Ducks this year and was in 926. Mm-hmm. But did you hear the team? The Ducks. This team, stop picking the scab. It's never going to heal. Oh, do they love to dig up that stupid team? Good Lord. Anyway, yeah, they should have kept Cam Talbot. 
Um, <laughs> but uh, you need more than a goalie. You know and... who else they should have kept is the guy they traded Jordan Everly for. Uh, oh, geez, Ryan Strom, who had 49 points in 56 games this year. I, I, I tweeted, I go, listen, what the hell? My, my trade trees are generally not disaster theater. What I really like doing, like I defended the Oilers on a couple trades that were really bad for them. I defended them on the Chris Pronger trade. I said, yeah, but this was good. This was good. This was good. I defended them on the Jeff Petrie trade, which brought them Cam Talbot, by the way. The Eberly trade tree is just fuck up after fuck up after fuck up. And then the one glimmer of hope comes hey this trade tree might not totally suck they go out and get Andreas Thanasiu and he plays nine games for them and a pandemic hits and they decide that's enough tell you what you hold on to those two second rounders Detroit we've seen enough to know that we don't want this player through nine games spread over like six months this team stinks Jesus their decision making is something else man something else one thing that is on the line. One thing that is on the line tonight is uh, Pete DeBoer. I know he's five and zero in Game Sevens in his career. Is so really? I, I feel like that's a fun little thing. That's, oh, that'll uh, be interesting. That's on the line tonight. Yeah, I'm just picturing him and Bruce Boudreaux. Do you want to form an alliance? <laughs> <laughs> I do. I would love to see them on the same coaching staff just to see what would happen. <laughs> Anyways, I'm taking the team who's outscored the other team seven to two over the last two games. So let's go, Minnesota. Give, do we give the Panthers some serious credit for at least winning two games against the Lightning? I mean, without a goalie, basically, except for the kid. Um, and the series that had the Leafs been either team would have sent us into spontaneous combustion. The amount of, you want to talk about the series that got the farthest away from the refs. Oh. That series oh, yeah. <laughs> was an abomination. How, is, yeah. how, is that ha- how does that happen? How does a series get away from you as a ref? Every game's different. Like, I can get a I see a game. You just don't do your fucking control. job. How do you lose a series? <laughs> how do you lose an entire series? Yeah. You ever, you ever just gotten into work and been like, ah, I don't feel like it today? Yep. What if that was every day for you <laughs> and you worked in Florida? Who are the referees in this series? We could probably look that up, right? I mean, the the, the officials in that series should be leaving Florida with a tan and a horrible reputation. <laughs> the what's the, specific, you got to get specific here for people that the amount the of shit uh, committed against Ryan McDonough, the amount of shit that Ryan McDonough committed, <laughs> the the Duclair and um, Kucherov thing. The there was a miscall on Bennett before the suspension, if I remember. They're just it it was just warfare. It was just lawless. It was lawless out there. And it's a series that didn't need it. It's a series that could have been high scoring, high octane, high intensity, high toughness. And and just it felt like 25% of calls were called. <laughs> it was brutal. Some of the some of the stuff I've seen, particularly with Ryan McDonough involved, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't, and not even a word afterwards. Or there might have been like a five thousand dollar fine or so, which we already count as nothing. It's nothing. It's not even We're worth not tweeting even about. Footnote. No. How often do we bring it up? Never. 
It's not a punishment. It it's not matter. a thing. It's not a thing. Yeah, I still, I always remember years ago, um, I think it was the HBO 24-7 for the Leafs Red Wings. And Jerry D'Amigo, the rookie, got stuck with uh, a bill at dinner because they did the the credit card game and he lost. And this kid who's been a Leaf for exactly two minutes and was previously making like $60,000 a year. They're like, you got to pay for dinner. And I assume it was more than a $5,000 receipt. By the way, uh, I hope the Leafs dressing room doesn't do that anymore because that's fucking shitty, by the way. I agree. I Well, and we don't know what happened afterward. We don't know what happened afterward. Who knows? They might have been like, here you go, kid. I don't like, know. Because if were. I was Jerry D'Amigo, I'd be like, I literally cannot pay this. This is the <laughs> team that literally was like, no, let's please, let's not salute the fans. I didn't even believe it. It was so ridiculous <laughs> at the time that that when people were like, oh, like the, when media guys were like, they didn't, they didn't salute the fans. Bullshit. And I was like, wait a second. The team wouldn't do that. They wouldn't actually do that. And I, I remember talking to CJ about it later on. He was like, Oh no, they did that. That was yeah. intentional. Yeah. They wanted they were they were pissed with the fans and they wanted to send a message. Absolutely intentional. Well, I've I was heard like, that f- I've heard that from many sources. Yep. Many. Many, like, many, many. Yeah. So that is the type of team that would stick a fucking rookie with that tab that's shitty, man. You're yeah. losers. You're a bunch of fucking losers. No wonder they didn't win anything. Sorry. It's belated. <laughs> I hated, hated that era I, of beliefs. And the more the further we get away from it, the more I realized how much I fucking hated it. I was terrible. I defended that team at the time because I was like you going, there's no way. It's impossible. That's the most cartoonish. No, surely these millionaires wouldn't do that after a win. adult millionaires. It was after a win. Yeah. Like that was the, what are you mad about? Dude, we can win something, you little fucking. It's like, we're paying your salary, bro. A regular season game. hanging on your fucking wall. Sorry. Why why are we yelling at this team that... (laughs) was eight years ago because i'm a still mad at lightning them. yeah panthers lightning yeah, my bad so See, i think we, we made that to, about the leafs we give it to the panthers for for pulling two out of this good learning experience uh man what an effect joel quinville's had they've got to figure out that goaltending situation though one yeah. thing uh elliot also said today was that they are probably gonna make every effort they can to trade bobrovsky this offseason <laughs> to who for what he said before they traded him they have to make the effort <laughs> Seattle. I mean, we said that it last would be the episode, call, but yeah. yeah, give me every first round pick forever. Yeah. Anyway, what do you? I guess so. I guess all these teams, and this does affect the Leafs actually. All these teams who signed all these deals, like Matthews' deal, like Marner's deal, like Bobrovsky's deal, all these teams who signed deals with the assumption that the salary cap was going to go up, they're just screwed. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. five years. That's the risk you take. Yep. That's the risk you take. Jesus. By the way, I don't believe the salary cap's not going up for five years. I don't believe it either. I think that's a load of hog shit. And I think probably after this coming season, we will we will hear talk about the salary cap going up. You got new TV deals kicking in. You got a bunch of new a bunch of excitement. You're gonna have advertisers paying more money for stuff at the rink in terms of what's on the ice and what's on the boards and what's on the helmets and the jerseys. Give me a break that the, the NHL is going to rake money in and they're going to have full buildings because people are actually going to be allowed to go in. Yeah, Look how crazy people, it's been already. There's every, no way. Every building in the NHL will be allowed to have fans. I don't know about full capacity, but by next October, you think in Ontario? Yeah. Well, we fucking suck up here with this shit. Uh, but <laughs> but in, the cities, in the cities that matter, 
um, in the cities that actually matter in terms of like real revenue for the NHL, it's the American cities. All of them will be allowed up here. It'll be like, I don't know, guys. I don't know. I don't know. We've got, you've each had 40, 40 shots of, I'm just not sure. Don't know. Today's worried about today, my election rather than, you know, worried about letting people do their thing. Oh, uh, today's Doug Ford press conference was the first one. I didn't even watch a clip of oh. just like, fuck off, Doug. I don't, I don't want to hear it today. Leave yeah. me alone. The Leafs lost last night. I don't need to hear you too. And by Fair. the way, before anybody gets on me, I'm all for being safe too. Period. Same. I just, we've just had a total bungling of this shit in Ontario. So I'm so sick of even talking about it. But in terms of where the NHL is going to make the majority of its money in the United States from the US TV deals, from, and, and where, and frankly, where they have the most amount of growth available to them, their biggest opportunities in the United States. You know that, I know that. God, if Buffalo iced a half decent team that almost made the playoffs, that's going to be an enormous bump in revenue for the league because that's one of their highest rated. Big money markets. Buffalo. What team in the NHL needs the hand of Gary to wash over them and bless them more than the Buffalo Sabres? Gary will make something happen. Yeah. Yeah. He'll make something happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, he sort of does. Now, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the other the other game that we haven't got to. I know like no offense, Islanders fans. Let's leave this for a second. I first off, I want to say that fucking barn looks just like so oh. much fun. Yeah, the Coliseum's a cool place. So what? And there, and by the way, they're they're that's the we will not get to see a game there as badly as I wanted to go. Um, it's mm-hmm. this is it, but their new stadium looks incredible too. Um, the Islander fans that were there are just ballistic and amazing oh. and good for them. What I really want to talk about with this series though, because we'll have plenty of time to talk about the Islanders as the second round starts. If you're Pittsburgh, where do you go from here? What do you do? Malkin's up. By the way, three straight first round exits. You'd never know. You'd think the Leafs were the only team in the league. <laughs> well, that? at least, yeah, but Pittsburgh's won a cup. Well, oh, you well. fire Mike Sullivan, if you're Brian Burke, and you bring in your own guy, and then you go and you go and you get a goaltender, and you, uh, <laughs> you make Tristan Jari your backup, or you move him to somewhere else, and then you go get a goaltender, and all of a sudden, your team is good again. Is Casey DeSmith... He's just not. He's just a. He's just a guy, right? He's I, twenty-nine. I don't, even I don't think you go into next season with Casey DeSmith as your starting goaltender. Man, because so here's the thing: Tristan Jari's making Miko Koskinen money. Yeah, that's a lot. It's a lot. Three, three and a half. They're all be takers. DeSmith's NHL numbers are fine. It's. I don't know. I don't know what it was with Jari. That dude was in the All Star game last year. That dude was in the All-Star game. All right, Malkin's ah. got another year. My bad, I forgot he's making it. By the way, Evgeny Malkin, highest paid Pittsburgh Penguin. Mm-hmm. Um, 8.7 you know, for 87. So here you go. You've got Your lineup is set for next year. Red commercials. The only person that is uh, really a UFA is A, Cody Cece, uh, and B, uh, uh, Colton Scrivoir. Scrivoir. Sevier. Sevier. <laughs> I've honestly never heard that name. I've never fucking heard that name. Oh, wait. Adam, I've watched Penn's Adam. games this year. I don't know that name. Jeff Sevier. <laughs> Is it Jeff? No, Jeff it's Colton. Colton. <laughs> Colton. <laughs> I had to check. You yes. 
you such assholes. Colton <laughs> Sevier, uh, this is like the eighth time I've brought up NHL today, but Colton Sevier is a good pickup in NHL three years ago because he had a high potential rating. So if oh. you traded for him when he was young and you held on to him for like two years, he'd be like an 84 on your third line. Okay, awesome. can I just say that's a failure of the NHL franchise because he's not young. I covered him in he's junior. He's 32. Yeah, but he had a good potential rating. Why would he have a high potential rating at 39? He was like, I don't know, a uh, 79 in the game and then he'd go up like a couple points every year because he had a little good potential and he'd end up like an 83 and he got an 83 overall in your third line it was nice um, Anyways, that's my be a gm corner i i gotta say yeah we should have we should have an all uh like a top 10 when the season's over because i love doing our top fives and our top tens uh a top 10 players who weren't actually good but had high potential so you so you should have drafted them segment. that's fun um, I think we need, I think we need to do that. Uh, we're going to have to do this summer. We'll do a lot of top fives and top tens and have some fun with that. Cause I think that was a really fun segment when we did it on the goalies. Now, if you look at the, at the penguins, their lineup is kind of set for next year. Malkin, Crosby, Gensel, Zucker, Tanev, Rust, Kapanen, and McCann and Carter all will be back. And that's the majority of the money. Yeah. And Minnesota has their first round pick. So they don't have even that coming in. That's why you fire your head coach. And, and then you go Marcus Pedersen, Brian Dumoulin, Mike Matheson, and Chris Letang will all be back. You would think Cody Cece would be back because he found a, a system he's happy in. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, what do you do? And oh, by the way, uh, uh, oh, yeah, never mind. Never mind. There's, they, they, had Buke, they had Bukestad on the dead cap, but he's up, I believe, on cap friendly. I don't know. I mean, I mean brand new GM. Going, as in he's traded. Brand new GM, brand new president. Um, you know, I remember the 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 thirty one thoughts that Burke did with Frege and Merrick after signing in Pittsburgh, and he preached patience. That was months ago. Now they're about to head into not just an off season, but an expansion draft off season. Expansion draft off seasons are fun because it's guaranteed change. Mm. You cannot stand pat. You can't just be like, ah, we're going to do nothing because some monster is going to come in and create a giant hole in your team. No matter what, no matter what, there's no running for it. They get to take one player from all of you, every single team. So, and, and, and Calgary Flames fans, Toronto Maple Leafs fans, Anaheim Ducks fans, Vancouver Canucks fans, ex-Hartford Whalers fans, does Brian Burke ever just sit on his hands and do nothing? <laughs> Never. Ron Hextall, neither. Like, but you got to remember, Brian Burke is not making the day-to-day decisions with this team. Right. I think that's very important. He is an overseer. Hmm. He is. He lacks a tie, and he lacks day to day decision making. Isn't Adam, it funny that Hockey Night in Canada can make him wear a tie, but the Penguins can't? Anyway, <laughs> I find it. I just. I. I think that any anywhere where Brian Burke is, and you think Brian Burke's going to take a back seat and not play a gigantic hand in the. I'm sure Ron Hextall and Brian Burke have already argued like 40 times, like <laughs> knock down, drag him out, yelling matches. I'm sure. You can, you can tell Brad for living to go shit in his hat. You 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 got to throw hands with Ron Hextall. You try to tell him that you you got to it's it's got to be. I want to I want to see that barn fight. <laughs> Kevin Lowe, move over. I'm not interested. I want to see. Oh, Brian Burke, he's training. 
He's going all YouTube star about it. He's got Felix Potvin in his uh, in his corner, trying to train him, show him how to beat him in a fight. I just listen. Anyway, Ron Hextall is making the decisions there. <laughs> that went off. The Sorry, that was a fantasy in my head. Ron Hextall is making the decisions there. Uh, he'll have Brian Burke as like a sparring partner. He'll have him as like a guy that bounce ideas off of. But Ron Hextall is making the decisions with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But like I said, expansion draft summer, you got you have to do stuff. You got to do stuff. <laughs> you have to do something. And you can't um, bring back Tristan Jari. Oh, boy. Now, if you look at Berkey's tenure in Toronto, and then you look at Berkey's tenure in Calgary, goaltending. Well, I mean, the solution was, all right, let's see if Jiggy can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and oh, we and we mistakenly have this guy Reimer in the system too. They mistakenly. <laughs> well, no, no, I didn't mean I, that as an insult. I mean that as like, a, oh, thank God, because we weren't going to do anything uh, about this. The Leafs <laughs> really did seem to stumble into their own guy, didn't they? They did. They really, really did on that one. Oh, um, what about him? Okay. Um, okay. Sir, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, okay. So Jari played just one game last year. I was trying to find a trend in his playoff performances, but he played one game and it was fine. But boy, eight, eight, eight save percentage through six no, games. That's Holy not, that's not an NHL goalie. It, and negative 6.3 goal saved above average. That's according to hockeyreference.com. I think, I don't remember which site's model it was, but they, they had it even worse. Basically the suggestion is that any other goalie, Almost any other goalie in the NHL would have had better results against the Islanders. And that was a situation where the eye test and your giant blunt, your dang it's, if you will, uh, lined up with the Corsi numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I also want to say just quickly, we won't get into uh, previewing these series uh, this episode. We'll get into it next, but the NHL can't take a breath. So the, the Leafs and Canadians will play at the same time as the Islanders Bruins second round starting Saturday. Can't wait a couple days. We got to get it out by July 15th. Oh, Jesus, gosh. guys. It's like you, you can't award the cup in the next seven weeks. Really? Anyway. Um, I don't understand why we had to wait for the, for the Canucks and Flames. I, I, we didn't. We didn't. Yeah. You could have just started the Canadian first round. You could have done it. I don't understand. But I guess I they didn't want to kill the ratings, which were already terrible. Uh, Who so- was casually dropping into those games? It would have been Flames fans and Canucks fans. Who in Toronto was like, oh, I got to check this out? Who in Toronto would have checked it out anyway? What if- even if it mattered. I like, don't. Even I if don't. it was like a normal regular season game and neither team was out. yeah, It's just like Flames fans probably are not dropping into Leaf, te- Leaf games unless they're playing the Leafs or there's some sort of big playoff game happening. You're right. You're absolutely right, Steve. It's a stupid thing. Okay. And they're dumb. I, I would love to hear from any fan who is not A, paid to watch hockey, mm-hmm. B, a Canucks fan, or B, a Flames fan. Did you watch either of those games? And if so, why? <laughs> why? It's, it screwed up the entire playoff schedule for two teams who aren't even in it. Mm-hmm. And now the Leafs and Habs are obligated to go seven to fuck it up as much as possible. Yep. I hate it. Yep. <laughs> I hate it here. Yep. Yep. Oh, yep. it's terrible. Yep. It's terrible. Um, terrible. So go Boston. Islanders, Boston. I think, okay, so maybe this series turns into the series that I thought Capitals Boston was going to be. 
Yep, I think unstoppable right. force, immovable object. What happens? Ooh. Well, Tuukka Rask is a goalie. Yeah, he sure is. Boy, wow, he, he's a goalie. Um, I mean, the the Capitals were just too easy for the Bruins to get through, and I have a hard time believing the Islanders will be that. Maybe we have uh, overestimated how much of a be- um, metapod the Islanders are. <laughs> <laughs> they're maybe not quite as unbeatable on defense as we thought, but they're much better offensively than we thought as well. I mean, we're about to find out. Listen, Tristan Jari might actually get some sympathy after the series, or he's going to look worse. Mm-hmm. It's up to the Bruins. It's a, like, what happens if the Bruins just mop these dudes? <laughs> it's not going to look good. It's not going to look good on the pens. It's it's like Jari's evaluation continues throughout the second round, even though he's not in it. And, okay. Can I tell you something low-key bothering me? What? Taylor Hall, mm-hmm. in his little tour, uh, talking about, hey, I would have accepted to trade to other teams. No problem. His little, his little, you could have had this tour. I tell you what. No, you, better- you couldn't have. That wasn't, that wasn't what was coming out of his camp at the time. It's nice to be able to say that now, but I don't believe that. That's not true. But he's saying it not now, true. and I think he's feeling himself, and I don't blame him for feeling himself because he has been the bag as opposed to the boxer for several years now since winning the Hart Trophy. Uh, I'd be feeling myself too. But I tell you what, the Bruins better make it to at least the third round because I don't know. I don't know. I'm not liking the attitude on this kid. Oh God! Let I'm him, not let him the be happy. On this kid. No, this why can't second he just round be... appearance ever? Let him be no, happy. He's got to be humble. He's got to wear a suit. Oh, he's got to get a buzz cut. He's got to. No, I'm kidding. I'm not trying to be old school about this. But so we don't know who the abs are going to play. We got to hurry up here. Lightning okay. Canes. Uh, that series is going to be the exact opposite of Boston Islanders. I think that's going to be a just just score fest. Yeah, oh, yeah. Score fest. With a little series bit of fighting here forgot. and there. Lots of fighting. It'll be like the 80s. It'll be great. You know, the 80s with fewer criminal offenses. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, All right. And the, the refs today would, would go back and, ah, who am I kidding? They do the same thing. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, let's get to the press conference. The Presser SDP. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. All right. We have one for Steve, one for Adam. There are two. Uh, there are two spots where I'm gonna. I'm gonna put on my butler outfit. I'm gonna come out and I'm gonna serve you a platter, and you will take your platter and go off with your question. Okay. Is it a bird who would, or like, like, the who would like to go saying? first? It is not. <laughs> <laughs> who would like to go first? <laughs> no context. Uh, I'll go first. Okay, Stephen. Stephen, for you today on your platter is Twitter. Mm. You have been watching the game, like we've said so many times, on the live stream with the fans on the Sportsnet YouTube channel. And you've had the revelation that Twitter might not be the best way to watch hockey games. We mentioned it briefly last episode, but here is your platter to talk about your experience watching games without Twitter.com. Go. Oh, my heavens and earth. It's just so much more relaxing. It's too much information to consume. 
I'm trying to watch this hockey game that is the fastest sport on earth. For the love of God, it's the fastest sport on earth. And it's playoff time, so the intensity has ramped up even more. It's a chess match. It's a paintball gun fight. It is slow and fast at the same time. There are grown men crashing into each other on knife skates at the speed of light, firing projectiles of vulcanized rubber. Who even thought to make a puck out of vulcanized rubber? Hockey is a ridiculous sport if you think about it too much. Plus... I got to read the thoughts of everyone in the world at the same time. It's too much. It's too much for my little monkey brain. Uh, Not far ago, not long ago in human evolution, all I was thinking about was my next meal. And now my thoughts include thousands of other people's thoughts, plus the thing that I'm trying to watch. It's not healthy. It's not how anyone is supposed to live. I'm not saying to not have like some sort of simulcast. I'm not saying you can't watch a game and look down at your phone. You know, I, I, I read this thing recently where this dad was talking about his children and, and, Oh, they, they watch three games that they watch. They'll watch a hockey game and they'll have a TV show on and they'll have their phone on and they can consume it all at once. That isn't true. No, they can't. Nope. That's they actually have them they all cannot. on at yeah. once and they're paying attention to nothing. Yeah. You're watching even less. <laughs> They're taking three classes and failing all of them instead of taking one and passing with flying colors. Do you understand? If I ask you questions about that game and that TV show and the conversation they're having on their phone, they wouldn't remember shit about any of them. It's a terrible way to consume. And I've seen the light now. Now, that being said, the second we stop doing these, I'm right back to it because I am so damaged. But everyone, everyone after game five, uh, these guys, they're not expensive. You can find them online. Drink a gallon of water every day, especially if you're fat like me. I looked it up. According to my body weight, I should be drinking a gallon of water every day. At least do breathing exercises. Get one of those apps where the dude calmly but somewhat creepily talks you to sleep. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Do, Do something, anything but consuming the thoughts of thousands of people at the same time while trying to enjoy a stressful hockey game. That's all. Uh, I'm calling this segment, by the way, Jesse's Bistro. So I, okay. I go I go into the kitchen in Jesse's Bistro and I serve up a platter of a topic. I pull it out and I say, here's your topic, Adam or Steve, and you get to discuss it for the extended amount of time that you want. Okay. So Adam, I went back I like into this. the I went back into the kitchen and I pulled out your platter, your dinner for tonight. And at Jesse's Bistro, we we uncover the lid and today, oh, look at that. Is that a 73 Mustang So, (laughs) served up at Jesse's Bistro for you, Adam, today is your new car that you purchased, a 73 Mustang. Please talk about the why, the how. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, uh, I should tell you that I first off, I, I bought it last fall, which is if you're looking for a convertible ever or anything summer related, buy it in the fall because people are trying to offload it and you get it for like way, way less. In fact, you should buy any car in the fall, like any, any uh, car that looks remotely fast. If it, it, like no matter what, buy it in the fall. Um, Because if, especially if you're buying it used because guys are just, if if it's a toy, guys are like, I'm out of money. I need to offload this or I need the money for something else. I want to buy something else. That's when they're selling. 
if you buy them in the spring, you're going to get ripped off. Um, it's apparently that used to be the same for cottages too, except now cottages are just outrageous and no one can afford them anymore because of the lockdown. Um, so, so basically, so I, I used to uh, go to a lot of like classic car meets and there's one specifically in, in Watkins Glen, New York, every fall, right before September, it's like Labor Day weekend, uh, or just after it. Um, and they, they bring these cars that are now 50, 60, 70 years old out on the track and they have different categories and they literally race them. And there are guys who ship their cars or drive them across the country and they all show up and Watkins Glen International is uh, a NASCAR track. It's, it's one of the, it's the most, one of the most prestigious racetracks in uh, the United States. So it's kind of fun to drive down. And so I'd, I'd miss a day of school the first Friday of every year. Um, and we'd drive down and we'd watch. And so obviously, you know, when you're exposed to it that much, 10, 15 years in a row, when you're a kid, you fall in love with, with it. Like you just don't have a choice. And I was a Mustang guy from the, the get-go. My favorite, favorite Mustang of all time uh, was a, a 1968 GT500 KR, uh, silver and black, Shelby, gorgeous. And you'd see the same thing in the movie Gone in 60 Seconds. So what I, what I always said was I wanted to buy a classic Mustang. And, you know, given what happened last year, I had, you know, we had the pandemic, I had a divorce. Um, you know, you sell your house, you, you, you know, you have to basically reset everything in your life. And I remember, uh, in August when the Leafs were getting their, you know, getting surprised, I guess is a nice way of saying it, uh, with Columbus, I had, it was the first chance I'd had to say, okay, what do I really want out of the next section of my life? Because divorce does force you to do that. And I say that with no uh, ill will towards my ex. It's just one of those things where you go like, what have I not done that I need to do that I want to do? And, um, you know, you sort of, you kind of look at yourself and go, well, this is what I want to do. So I'm going to start looking. And, uh, I started looking and was looking at all sorts of things that were like, sort of not what I wanted. I didn't, I wasn't going to go after a Mustang. It might be too expensive. So I went after something that's called a, you know, a triumph TR seven, which are little two seater cars. And you can't believe how small these cars are. They're little, but they were pretty quick for their time. And I remember my dad saying to me, uh, cause my dad's into this stuff as well. He was like, um, so, uh, you, you're looking at triumphs. You're looking at, at Austin Healy's you're looking, he's like, here's the thing you get next to an 18 wheeler on the highway. in one of those, and I kid you not guys, these are like go-karts. Uh, he's like, um, if they take one wrong turn, they're going to roll over you. Like you're going to be smushed. You, you just, they're so small. He's like, just wait for the first time you're, you're eye to eye with, one of their axles. It's crazy. And, uh, and he said, also you, you can't buy a two seater car. You're a dad. You can't do that. So I, I was like, okay, fine. I'll look at Mustangs and maybe I'll see what's out there. And I'll never forget it. There was a, uh, a guy in Sarnia with a Brown on Brown. And it actually looked really slick, a Brown on Brown Mustang convertible, uh, from the seventies. And I thought, well, that'd be kind of fun, right? Put some fuzzy dice on it, whatever. And then as the day I was about to go down to Sarnia, which is like a five hour drive to go see it. It's a horrible drive too. I, it's, it's a terrible drive, but I was going to wake up early on a Saturday morning and do it. I saw a red 1973 hockey stripe. Cause that's what it has. If you, if you look at my Instagram at Adam wild, it's got some of the, the seventies Mustangs have a stripe down the side. Some of it's an L, L shape. So they call it the hockey stripe. Um, and it had a red, it had a black hockey stripe. And I'm like, man, I got to go see that car. So I canceled on this poor guy in Sarnia and I, I went, so upset. 
I know he probably was. And then I went to see. I this get guy it. The drive in, here sucks. Uh, I went to see this guy in Port Hope who had it. It was a really nice guy, just a few years older than I was. Um, and, uh, and, you know, was a mechanic had been taking care of this car. And the first thing you want to look at when you buy these cars is, um, especially on Mustangs, they have these, they have rust issues, right? These are not cars that were built to last more than about 10 years. So you think, um, you, you got to check the wheel wells and you got to check under the car. Like you can't fall in love with what you see on the exterior and everything that I saw checked out. And so I had it for about three weeks last fall and I was too afraid to really even tell, like I told Jesse about it, obviously I told Steve about it, but I wasn't really um, flaunting it. And um, after a few conversations with friends and stuff, I was like, you know what? Like this, this, this year I thought, what the heck? I'll just show off that I have it because I'm really proud of it. Um, it's one of the things I've always wanted. I've worked really fucking hard for a really long time. I've been on the air since I was 19, I'm 33 years old. Why not? I've owned houses, I've owned, you know, I've, I owned a house. I owned like a bunch of other stuff that aren't, that isn't fun. Why not own something that is? And so, uh, uh, so, so I bought that. It was a well-priced Mustang. And here's the thing now, right? Uh, because Ontario has been in lockdown so long, classic car prices have gone through the roof. So the car is now worth more than what I bought it for, which is insane. Probably won't last because the car, the, the, the things fluctuate. You don't want to, you don't, you're not going to sell it. You know? No, you but it's just, it you know, sell it. you're like, this is so dumb. Like, the, and, and, and when you look at classic Mustangs, the first iteration of Mustang went from 1964 to 1973. And in 1973, people stopped buying them because insurance rates went through the roof and there was an oil crisis around the world. So you couldn't, like the gas went from, believe it or not, 10 cents a gallon to 20 cents a gallon. Ooh, oh I God. mean, that is a 100% increase. Yeah. And then they stopped making them and uh, didn't bring them back to the late 70s when they had the Mustang too, which are fucking garbage cars. Don't ever buy one. Um, Ford just totally screwed on the Mustang too. Oh, awful. Oh, um, okay. And- here, wait, let me, let me empty my cart. I know. I'm sorry. On, uh, let me just, <laughs> Even now, yeah, people are like, "Oh, the they're, they're classics. They're not fucking classics. They're garbage." Uh, but the uh, the it's the last year of the vintage year, like the originals, and and nobody really cares about after 1971. Nobody really wants this that body style of Mustang for some reason. I think they're cool looking, and I think they're really fun. And um, this car has been nothing but spectacular. Like it just runs, and I, you know, people were like, "How did you install a car seat in a 48 year old car?" So interestingly, because because Everly's in the back, um, my dad had it all winter in a because we I needed a garage and I didn't have one, and uh, and so he my dad took out the back seat, which you know to us now would be like you'd never do that um, in a, in today's cars, but back then it's like a bolt, it's not much, uh, and so he took the car out, secured it to uh, the frame of the vehicle, so the, the the car seat is more secure in the car than it is in my truck. Uh, and, uh, and anyway, long story short, I bought it because it was, it was something I'd always wanted to do. I hope I didn't bore everybody by that story. And, um, it's a, uh, they, people ask you whether it's a Cleveland or a Windsor, was it made in Windsor or was it made in Cleveland? The Windsor Ford blocks were made for trucks. Sometimes they ended up in a Mustang. The Cleveland ones were meant for cars. Most of them ended up in the higher end power Mustang. So I have a Cleveland 351 for anybody that's interested. Um, it looks like a Mach one which is the high power ones, which cost about 80 grand. Now it looks like it. Trust me. I paid 
mm-hmm. like a quarter of that, <laughs> which is still significant. But when you've just sold a house and everything else is like, whatever. Um, I, I looked at it like, I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this and I'm going to hang on to it forever, whatever. Uh, it looks like a Mach 1 is definitely not a Mach 1. And uh, it's just fun. It's just a fun car. It's cool that you can pinpoint where it was manufactured. That's a cool yeah. little tidbit. You know, you'd yeah. be like, oh, it was made in Cleveland and this year by, by Ted. Yeah, yeah 100%. <laughs> and, you, and you can. That's cool. now, mine's not a, what they call a numbers matching car either, which also decreases its value. So it's not a car that came off the line with the same engine. So mm. somebody bought the body and somebody bought the engine. And a lot of times the, the, the bodies would rust out or the engines would fall apart. And he could what the guy did was combine the two painted it the color he wanted it and and voila you have the car you have today so it's a bit of a franken car that way as well um numbers matching cars that are in really great shape cost a pile of money and to me it's that's like a nft thing right it's like car collectors Hmm. um if you have scads of money and you don't care that matters to people for guys like me who just want to drive them who cares right like an nft but real yeah but real (laughs) yeah and uh and anyway so like i'm a i I love the car it's something is it it's the stupidest purchase i've ever made and yet the smartest purchase i've ever made because it's it's it's, sorry what's that are you happy yeah how could it be stupid well it's stupid because from a financial perspective the dumbest thing you can do is pour money into a car are you happy extremely happier (laughs) than i've ever been honestly and uh yeah so it's 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 been a a beautiful purchase for the soul even if it was a bit of a waste of money and and uh, it's not a waste it was it was the perfect amount for for what i needed and and it's a great car and i love it and when i put it up online i was really concerned uh, and i was ready to delete it i wanted to see how the first few comments went and i thought okay so people are going to think you know this fucking asshole right you know uh, that's what i thought people would say most people were like Nobody even said anything. Everybody's like, congratulations. That's great. I don't think your fears were founded in anything. You know? I don't well, know. And also, like, people are going to say that anyway. Adam, yeah. people got mad at me a few months ago for getting a haircut. Yeah. People like, got who, mad at your you wife for wearing. Yes, she did. Yeah. You, Steve wore a mask just for, for a video in a car, and people got mad at her. People are getting mad at everything. In my uh, own goddamn that car. Sh- that should never stop you from doing anything. <laughs> and well, oh, and what I, are the I, internet I, comments going to say? I've learned. I've learned that. I, I think I learned Adam, this. Yeah. What do the strangers think? Yeah. <laughs> don't don't put weight in the internet, strangers. That's yeah. not good. That's not good you're for right. mental health. If like you're like, oh, I can't do this because a stranger on the internet might say something. That's not good. I yeah. need you thing, to consider man. the strangers. Be happy. I need you're you. right. You're right. The feelings of the strangers. Please consider them. Um, oh, no. And by the way, guys, no headband today. So I have discovered dry shampoo, so I can use the headband when I want to, but I don't have to. But I'm still going to use it just to piss everybody off because the strangers. Uh, anyway, that's that's the story with it. It's uh, it's got a Ram Air 351, uh, or it's got the Ram Air sorry package. And anybody that wants to reach out and ask questions or talk classic cars, please hit me up in my Instagram DMs. I'm happy to talk anytime. Mm. Yeah. Much for the two hour or for the one hour pot, eh? Yeah, well, it's been, uh, it's been about an hour, hour ten. We're having fun. Yeah. Je- here, real quick, Jesse. What's what's your new Adam Wild purchase? The one thing you gotta have now. I don't have anything. You don't? Shut up. What am I gonna buy? I don't need to buy anything. (laughs) Like it could be an experience. Yeah. It could be like a trip. Could be a fucking concert at this point. Yeah. No, I'm gonna fly to Montreal and go to Game Six. I mean, it could be that, man. It could be like I wanna I wanna go to England. 
because there's this family genealogy project I've been pursuing. I want to go visit these places now because we've actually been able to trace my family to certain places. We found the orphanage my great-grandfather was born in. Wow. Oh. It's now a hospital. Um, Charing Cross, I think, in Fulham. Like yeah. I, I want to visit. I've been to that, I've been to that station. That oh, is, uh, I know it from Harry Potter. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, like I, I badly want to do that. I, you know, if you think about something every day, you should pursue it. Adam thought about the goddamn Mustang every damn day. <laughs> every day I thought about that car. And I want to visit an old orphanage. <laughs> okay, right, well, guys, that's it. Uh, you guys did a great job with the two topics. Steve, I love the Twitter thing. Adam, yeah. way to go on the Mustang. Thank you. There you go. All right. Love you guys. We'll see you Monday. Go Leafs go. Let's fucking wrap this up, please. I don't want to be talking about this series again Monday, but the Leafs might not give us a choice. We'll see what happens. Love you until then. Be safe this weekend. We'll see you in a couple days. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle at Adam W-Y-L-D-E and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.